are you ready to get cooking? Yeah. Call me in. All you need are the right ingredients. Interviews. Home Cooks. and every day. Crazy people. What a lovely meal. Welcome to JJ Jackson's Food Tips. The basics and beyond. The gourmet kitchen is indispensable. Now. 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 The doctor of funk himself, J.J. Jackson. Wow, Here we go. I was a rock and roll DJ for a lot of years, and I was fortunate enough to play in markets across this country and in a few others as well. Stations like KVNS, Brownsville, Texas, in the Hudson Valley of New York State on 93.5 WGNY, Sacramento, California on R&B and Old School V101.1. 98.7 The River in Savannah, CKLW Windsor, Ontario, Canada, 107.9 WSRZ Sarasota, Florida, Mix 94.5 Lexington, and 100.5 Louie FM in Louisville, Kentucky. There's a ton more, and I'll hit them on the next show. Food Tips The Basics and Beyond is a lifestyle show for foodies who love interviews with chefs about restaurants, great interviews, and we'll talk to our listeners from years ago and currently. If you love recipes, wine, shortcuts, and recommendations, this is the place for you. Come on in. And in food news, time for food news. Food news. On food tips, the basics and beyond. Lose is good food for your mind. Are you in search of perfectly grilled onions? Well, search no further because Bobby Flay has a hack you're going to want to try. If you've sliced up onions to cook on the grill, you've probably seen how they quickly lose their shape. And it's not their fault. The anatomy of an onion slice is pretty delicate. And when the direct heat hits those concentric onion rings, they soften, they fall apart, and may even slip through the grates when you try to flip them over with your tongs. It's a waste of a lot of hard work and delicious onions. Flay couldn't agree more, which is why instead of peeling that paper-thin skin from the onion that can stick to your fingers when you're prepping it, here's the hack. Keep the outer layer of the onion intact while slicing it, then brush the slices with a little olive oil and sprinkle some salt and pepper while grilling. Should produce a nice char in about five minutes per side. Sounds like a great idea to me. Here's another hack freezing pancake batter in an ice cube tray overnight. Grab your favorite pancake mix and follow the instructions to make enough for one cup of batter. If you're using Bisquick or other boxed mixes, don't forget to include a few extra ingredients or spices to upgrade your boxed pancake recipe to make them taste even better. Once your batter is mixed, pour it into your ice cube tray carefully until each square is filled in. If you have any preferred pancake toppings like pecans or fruit or chocolate chips, you can add a sprinkling of them across the tray before covering it and leaving it in the freezer overnight. Here's another hint. Use a plastic ice cube tray to avoid the sometimes metallic flavor that comes with a metal tray. Mitch Elliott has been a major market on-air personality for 30 years. He's hosted award-winning radio shows in Atlanta, Seattle, and Portland. He grew up in Atlanta, but has called the Pacific Northwest his home since 2003. And as a side note, we still miss him in Atlanta. Mitch can be heard mornings on 101.9 Kink FM in Portland and worldwide wherever you get your radio or podcasts. Mitch! JJ! What are you doing? 
Well, I'm excited to talk to you. You were one of the very first big time radio guys I met when I was first starting my career in 1988. Is and I just uh, I was I was always very intimidated to be around you. Well, what in, in 1988? Now that would have been when I was on the morning show in Atlanta with uh, Stacia Kelly at Fox 97. God, that's exactly right. I was a part timer. And just being in your presence, there was a glow about you, at least in my mind. Well, uh, you're the only guy doing a morning show now, so <laughs> I'm in awe of you now, okay? <laughs> Mitch is a, a great friend. We've known each other probably 30 years, and uh, he is uh, now on uh, on 1019 Kink in uh, Portland, Oregon, and you've been in Seattle as well, right? Yeah, I left Atlanta when I moved to Seattle and just fell in love with the Pacific Northwest and an opportunity came open here in Portland and uh, I took it and I'm super glad I did. And it's amazing that I've been employed in radio as long as I have been because early on you gave me some advice. You said, Mitch, if you want to make it in this business, you got to do one thing. You got to change your name. I just don't like Mitch Elliott. So she <laughs> told me, here's what I'm going to do. Tonight, Patio Furniture and I are going to have a Stoli with a Diet Coke back, and we're going to come up with a name for you. And swear to God, you came in the next day, and I think you had a list of five names, but the number one name on that list was Slick Dixon. I remember that now. <laughs> and I have tried every single radio station I've ever been at. I've tried with the program director. I said, please, let me call myself Slick Dixon. <laughs> I know from a source that knows these things, that will propel me to greatness. That's the only thing missing in my repertoire is a cool name. You know, at that time, uh, I, I was trying to think of cool names for part-timers that were coming in, uh, uh, like Bobby, what was his name we called him? Bobby oh, Knight? Lane. Bobby, Bobby Lane. Bobby Lane. That's right. That's right. And, and now he's just plain old Ryan Bingham. So it's just... <laughs> Well, part of the challenge was that that particular radio station for the part-timers, the name you used on the air had to be a name, and I'll see if I can explain this to folks. There's something called a jock shout. You've, you've heard listening to a radio station. Right. Like, J.J. Jackson, Fox right. 97. That's it. So for the par part-timers, they had all these jock shouts of people that were no longer at the radio station. Bob Smith, Bobby Lane. And you could pick a first name and a last name from any of the jock shouts. They put it together. But that was the limit of your choices. That was that went on for years. I that's how I got most of my names from. Uh, gosh, nineteen seventy one on. <laughs> Even Glenn Hayden Michaels. Yeah, that one actually came with a jingle. That was in Athens. I didn't have I didn't have anything to do with it. I stuck the Hay Baby in there, but that was it. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange name. <laughs> but it suits you. It fits. Yeah. Well, when you think about that time in history, I think the number one song was "The Streak." by Ray Stevens. So that's oh, a, that's a, that's a while ago. That's a while ago for sure. How long do you expect to be employed for another week or two or what? <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping this was the last radio station I ever work at. I'm in a great situation. I love the format. It's a triple a adult album alternative, whatever the hell that means. But we play pretty much anything. I, you know, I did, so I'm loving it. I did triple a for a while at clear channel, uh, because we couldn't figure out what direction we wanted the radio station to be. And it, what do they call it? Adult, you say album it. alternative album alternative Adult album alternative is basically everything from the rolling stones to olivia rodrigo i mean and, and, and everything in between great i don't even know is olivia it, rodrigo is she is she good she's great you know her song driver's license i'm sure you've heard that it's about a girl <laughs> getting her driver's license and driving by her boyfriend's house it'll make you cry jj did you play that this morning when i was listening to you 
I don't think I played that one. We haven't played that one for a few months. Okay. But, uh, I interviewed her during the pandemic. It was wonderful because no artists were touring. So I was able to interview pretty much any artist that has music out there today. And so she was one of the folks I talked to. Wow. I just, just by phone. We did it over Zoom. So the audio quality was better. And then we post the video on our website so you could can I see the celebrity? But now that the pandemic is over and they're all touring again, they, they won't take my call. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they don't need you anymore. <laughs> all right. So, JJ, I know you want to talk about food. Yeah, yeah. So when we moved to Seattle, after being in Atlanta most of my adult life, we moved to Seattle, my partner Derek and I, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know a soul. So our entertainment on weekends, especially Sundays, just started revolving around food. And we, we, we just really got into making complicated recipes like veal Orloff, that's just super challenging, complicated recipes, because the worst thing for us was to whip something up. And then it's like, now what do we do? It's ready to eat. Now, you know, what do we do the rest of the afternoon? Right, right. And so one of the things we've tried to perfect, I think probably our passion, Derek and I, is pizza. We make our own mozzarella. We make our own Italian sausage. Obviously, we make our own dough and our own sauce. Are you? And, uh, are we you, just never feel- Are you fermenting the dough at all? Are you doing? Uh, yes. I, I 72 hours. Like, all right, yeah, that t- gives it the flavor. Tell me the process because I've been uh, thinking about doing this, and I've also been thinking about doing it with uh, almond flour. And it, as it turns out, you can ferment virtually anything. So uh, the way they do it, they do it with uh, the uh, the watery stuff from yogurt, and then they leave it out for like uh, I don't know, thirty six hours, something like that. Tell me your process. Mine's ours is more traditional. We get uh, flour we have shipped from Italy. We buy it online. Double zero? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that makes a big difference. And I don't even remember the proportions. Derek is more of the scientist. I'm just I'm just the helper. But <laughs> sous chef. You know, it's just all the sous chef. Yeah. That sounds so much better than helper. But it truly is all about the fermentation. That's what gives pizza dough that little bit of funk. You need that little bit of a funk. Right, right. You don't even really realize it's there and you need plenty of salt. Because to me, the dough is my favorite part of pizza. And I know you're probably still doing keto. Is that right? I, it, <laughs> I try to do low carb. Yeah, but you know how it is. Yeah, we did that up until the pandemic. And the very first day of the pandemic, we went to the grocery store because everybody thought, you know, it's going to be like a snow day for two weeks. And we just loaded up on all the bad stuff. And we have not gotten back on track just yet. Yeah. So our dough is, is made with flour. But, uh, you know, I respect folks that can eat the cauliflower pizza crust and in your case the almond flour i'd like to try that it's 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 good there's some, there's better ones now that are made out of cheese that i would uh, or chicken uh, for that matter but I, I just, yeah we we've done both of those crusts yeah the, the chicken one using the canned chicken that's not bad yeah yeah it's very it's very good i've been using that for a while now but i i we, we just got back from florida and when i'm in florida there's a kind of a small town that we go to it has uh they have some mom and pop pizza places and I'm sorry. I, I where I, where we live, it's like fast food heaven. You know, Atlanta. It's just like yeah. all these franchises everywhere, and not a whole lot of them are mom and pops. So there, there's some mom and pop pizza places that just are killer. So that's all we ate last week. Yeah, when I'm in a new town, I search out a local pizza restaurant. That's my favorite thing to do. That's always the first stop in any town. We were in Bend, Oregon last week, which is a kind of a resort community and they have several great little you know it's a resort community but they have hole in the wall pizzerias and the pizza is just fantastic wow, see I, I love that and where you're at i just recently heard some uh was that it might have been on netflix it was the food truck scene in portland and how it's, how hot yeah, it is it's huge we have food, they call them food carts here because they don't really move around they're right. more like permanent like, trailer things 
and they're just all over the city. They're called food cart pods, and they're so, they're really cool. They're really nice. I mean, there's there's a always will be a beer pot, a beer cart, and a liquor cart. But you you know you go with their friends, and it's just perfect because you'll have your choice of like 18, 20 different cuisines. From what I've heard, there, I mean, people are combining unlikely ingredients and turning them like, you know, kimchi pizza, that kind of thing. Yes, there's a lot of fusion going on because it's 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 very inventive cooks uh, and chefs that can't necessarily afford a brick and mortar store. Right. But they can they can afford a food cart and they can try to deliver what they're just passionate about. And the cool thing about food carts, they don't have 20 items on the menu. Usually it's three or four items, things they do very, very well. So what I what I hear about Portland is it's that kind it's that kind of place where you can just visualize what it is you want to be or do and then because Portland has this attitude people kind of accept it. Yeah, nothing matters out here. Nobody cares what what you do, how you dress, how much money you make. Portland's motto is keep Portland weird. Oh, I love that. It's, we just embrace that. In fact, like this past Saturday, for example, one of the biggest annual events here in Portland is the World Naked Bike Ride. We had like 10, 15,000 bicyclists ride right through the city completely nude. See, that just doesn't sound unusual like it did in 1970 with a streak. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. <laughs> Where's Ray Stevens when we need him? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Mitch, I'm just damn happy we had a chance to catch back up again. It's a crime. It's been 20 years. Let's not, we'll not let that happen again. You come to Portland, bring patio furniture, and I'll make you a pizza. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> I'd love to go to Portland. That's just, uh, that's on my bucket list now. We'll get you on a bicycle naked, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> you know anything about wine? I think I know somebody who does. Time for Super Wine Guy, Michael Gallant. Oh, yeah. He knows why. He knows. Yes, he knows. The original wine connoisseur. He's been to France. Whether you're looking for good deals on great wine or great deals on good wine, stand by for more food tips, the basics, and beyond. Michael Gallant. I love those things with my wine. Well, look who just walked in. It's a lovely patio furniture. She's uh, back from another. uh, She played tennis, playing tennis all week this week. It's what is it, the championships? No, it's just um, it's just for fun, actually. Oh, and, but you you've uh, won every match so far, haven't you? Yes, yes, and my team uh, ended up the division winners, um, so that's good. Oh, well, awesome! Does that get you a bag tag? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, everybody likes to hear. You only got the one. You get two. You get to clang, clang, clang. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All really? Right. Bag tag? That's an important thing. That's, oh, that's it is. One of the yeah, it's a thing. Go yeah. to a tennis court, take a look around. Who's got the bag tags? Yeah. yeah. Who's got the, is the goal to have a lot of bag tags? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, as many as you can. If it weighs it down, you just get another bag, put more bag tags on it. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. I like it. You know, so. Super wine guy Michael Gallant is uh, back, and this time, uh, what are we looking at here? You know, we've been doing lots of wines from Europe. Yes. It was beautiful Italians and French and, you know, Austria and all that kind of stuff. And so I felt a little bad that we haven't been paying enough attention to California. Oh, you're so kidding. You're actually, we actually have, some, have a so, California yeah, so we've wine? Got to, this is a California Pinot Noir uh, called Brian David. That's a producer, small producer, you know, very boutique, not a lot of it produced. But 
I wanted to, and we'll do this, you know, throughout kind of the series, do some California Pinots, but from a different areas. California is a fascinating place to grow grapes because, A, it's, it's massive. You know, obviously right. it's a massive state and there are lots of places you can grow grapes um, and there are kind of better and worse places for certain grapes. That's one of the things that establishes a wine region is discovering which grape types do well in those soils, in those temperatures. And Pinot Noir is a cool climate grape. So in California, it really likes to be coastal, fairly close to the coast, or fairly close to a, you know, a river, right. or something like that that's going to influence, you know, it likes cool days, um, decent days, and then it likes to really cool down at night. And so some of the places they grow Pinot Noir, man, it gets cold at night. Yeah, you know? so, and, you know, we're, we're talking like Oregon, that area, yeah, yeah. and the rivers in Oregon. Are the, yeah, it's Oregon. Safe. Yeah. You know, you look in Oregon, there's the Willamette Valley, right. and that's influenced by um, the ocean quite a bit. And so the best places in California for Pinot Noir are, you know, places like um, uh, the Russian River Valley, which is up in Sonoma. Oh, that's one of uh, my favorite. Santa Barbara yeah. County has a lot of... Uh, Santa Maria Valley and places there, the Sonoma Coast, again, I was gonna say that. coastal region. And so in many respects, almost the cooler, the better. It's California. It never gets cold. Um, but those areas like Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir likes that. It tends to develop a lot of interesting things. So this Brian David today we're drinking is from the Russian River Valley, which is arguably, you know, depending on who you talk to, the best Pinot Noir growing region in California. So... Um, Let me see the label. Absolutely. That you know what? It's amazing. The label looks almost European. It does. Yeah. They, with the way it's got that that yep. font. It looks kind of German. It looks kind of. It's got a. Yeah. It's got a very interesting kind of. Um, God, that's almost heavy. A, yeah. Almost a cursive. Before well, he hasn't poured enough. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There right. we go. <laughs> um, and it's and it's you know kind of a multicolored um, font and it's um it's pretty interesting uh, and uh, these are not a. Um, I, I'm sure this is not even available kind of nationally, available in California, a few other places. Um, I, it's a very cool label, but you're right. It's a super heavy bottle. Um, you know, when you look at, at bottling and, 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 you know, when I look at a bottle of wine, sometimes what I try to do is, is decide what the price tag is going to be on that bottle of wine. You know, is it a heavy, heavy glass? The label is part of it. Um, the foil capsule is part of it. All the things that go into it, you know, because... You know, sometimes you get a bottle of wine and you say, oh, that looks, you know, that looks more expensive, you know, than I paid for it. And that's, that's always a good thing. It's like, oh, that pair of jeans I bought looks a lot better than the eight bucks I paid for it. I bought it. Some always give me some, you know, a little guff about a pair of jeans I was wearing a while back and it had some holes in it and this, that, and the other, which were designed. And they said, you know, I'm 60 plus. They said, You're, there's no reason you should be wearing these jeans. And I said... It was, and I found it in the in the bottom of a stack of jeans, and it was eight dollars on clearance. Of course, I'm <laughs> going to buy those yeah. jeans and that, it, all day long. And you know? at almost sixty five, yeah. that's a good choice to make. <laughs> exactly, it doesn't matter you know? what they look no, like. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I had I wasn't. Who gonna, knew I was high fashion? That's right. I wasn't going <laughs> to impress anyone, and so and sometimes it's that way with wine too. You know, you find it in a. I'm a huge fan of wine closeouts I'm and sure of you are. and of bins. There's a store I go to in Chicago when I'm there once in a while, and they have like, you know, like a section that's just these weird bins of stuff, and you look through it, and you know they all have kind of the original price on it, and then a, you know, a yellow tag saying it's now 
eight ninety nine or eight ninety eight or something. Oh, that's got to be right up your alley. Yeah, it is. You got to be careful. Oh, Again, yeah. you know, you you sometimes you get burned on that. Sometimes you find stuff you go, oh my goodness, you know, this was awesome. You know, so I mean, wine is one of those things that. You know that you got to put it on sale. Sometimes you can't. It doesn't. It doesn't get better forever. Right. And it doesn't last forever. And you got to move it. That's it. You got to move it. And the best retailers in the world are the ones who realize it. Who say, okay, this wine has been here a little bit too long. I need to start trying to move it. Whether that's putting it on a party order or whether that's calling some of your good customers and saying it's drinking great, I'll give you twenty percent off or whatever. So, right. Um, but I'm a huge fan of. Finding the deal, you know, when it comes to wine. So, it so is uh, reminiscent of uh, the, the song, uh, We Got to Move These Refrigerators. We Got to Move These Colored TVs. I Want My MTV. Yeah. What's the name of that song? Dire Straits. Oh. It, it is, is Dire, Dire Straits. Straits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Sting from Police. Uh, we know it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the title of it, but I, yeah, we all know that song. Yeah, Great so, song. Wow. Yeah. Next, what we'll, we'll gets Sting on here and uh, let yeah. drink a little wine with him? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure he owns a winery. Done. He does? Yeah, he and his wife own a, I think it's an Italian winery, I believe. You know, a lot of celebs own, you know, again, these days, tequila, bourbons, you name it. But like um, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie owned a, a, um, a rosé um, producer in southern France and Provence. And now they, that they're divorced they kind of or south, getting, yeah. oh, yeah, it's not good at all there suing each other and, you know, over the winery and stuff. And the winery's oh. long been sold and, you know, so. Wow. Money for nothing. Money for nothing. That's it. Thanks, Patty. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, uh, Patty did, you know, yeah, look Googled it up. It. Yep, yep, and yep. she <laughs> held it up as if I should know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both knew it originally, too. So. Right. That's so, true. So this is, for me, very typical California Pinot Noir. Got lots of fruit to it. Um, super aromatic in the nose, um, um, you know, very versatile food wine, great with, and this one's got a lot of, got some stuffing to it. It's got so guts. That, yeah, it definitely does. You know, Pinot Noir, you know, it's like you can get a French Pinot and stuff that's super light. Right, soft. You know, yeah, very soft, very elegant a lot of times, but usually lower in alcohol. You can just tell by looking at the color, most Pinot Noirs run the gamut. This one's pretty... You know, that's pretty dark in the glass. It is. Um, imagine that, those of you who are listening. So um, It's purple almost. <laughs> yeah. It's very dark, and you stick your nose in it, and it's got super complex nose. Yeah. You know, lots of fruit going on. Lots of um, spices, you know, lots of, like, I get some interesting Asian spices, like five spice powder or something right. like that. Um, you know, got a lot of ageability ahead of it. This is a 2020, so hasn't been in the bottle all that long. So this will age for a while longer and, um, you know, pretty interesting. Again, I'm fine. If you're drinking Pinot Noir and it just says California on the label, it could be from kind of anywhere. Right. You really want to pay attention, you know, find something from, um, you know, again, from Russian River, from uh, Sonoma Coast, from Santa Barbara, from Santa Maria, you know, and ask your local, you know, wine merchant, hey, what do you have that's from a cool climate Neat Valley, you know, somewhere tucked away. There's there are some sub AVAs within like Russian River. There's one I really like called Green Valley. You don't see much of it because it's you know it's hard to it's just have fruit from that area. So it's, it usually goes in the wider appellation of Russian River. And Russian River is probably one of the better known ones in California. That's so. where uh, 
There's a Silver Oak there, isn't there? Yeah, so Silver Oak has their Napa property, right. which is over in Napa where they- That's the big one? But that's the big one, the original one. But yeah, then over in um, Sonoma, they've got a piece of property over there. And Sonoma's a lot of, uh, Sonoma's big. There's, you know, it's a pretty good size um, areas um, that have everything from really good Cabernet climates to really good Pinot Noir to really good Chardonnay and kind of everything in between. If you go down to Southern Sonoma, there's an area that- basically straddles Sonoma and Napa, and it's called Carneros, hmm. C-A-R-N-E-R-O-S. And you can literally drive, like when I come up from San Francisco, I drive up the Sonoma side usually, go to Carneros, and just cut across to southern Napa. And they literally just straddle each other, so they're very similar climate. That's the way kind of, Napa and Sonoma are two kind of side-by-side valleys with a mountain range in between, and you can get you know, if you want to take your life in your own hands, you can drive over the mountain oh or you can um, go through Carneros on the south or in the southern or the northern end, Anderson, not Anderson Valley, Alexander Valley. Right, right, those, right. And, and connect up that way. And so but. I have a I have a question about uh, consistency and expensive wine. It seems to me the more you pay, uh, typically, well, like, like, for example, if you get Silver Oak, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to pay a hundred or more, maybe a little bit less, depending on where it's from. Yeah, depending. And there's uh, two two Silver Oak primary bottlings. One's Alexander Valley, and one's Napa. They're about twenty five, forty dollars between them, kind of thing. Okay. I think the Alexander Valley is sub one hundred. You know, maybe eighty ish, eighty five. That's what she, that's what she paid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the and then the other one, the Napa, is probably in the one twenty five range. So I'm, but when you when you have that wine, it is typically always consistent yeah that's a, that's certainly an aim you know you think about it you're a winery it depends on the wine right your goal is is for the consumer to make a consistent product you know to make this we always want this to kind of taste like right. you don't want your consumer to come in and taste and go oh man i had this last year and i really loved it this year i didn't like it so much right. now you can do that with a volume producer because you're doing a lot of blending and there's a lot of different stuff it's harder to do that with some something made at the higher end of the spectrum in smaller quantities, like a silver oak, because it's very much dependent on weather, um, rainfall, all that kind of stuff affects what those grapes end up tasting like at the end. Now, you can do a lot of things in the winery to help it, but yeah, they'd, you know, I mean, silver oak and a lot of other guys would love basically for it to taste pretty similar vintage to vintage. I'm guessing that there, there's a recipe and. It, within that recipe, there's places to stretch it to get it to where, I mean, they're, they got to be tasting it all the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it just always seems consistent. Now, yeah. with something in the uh, $15, $20 bottle price yeah. range, yeah. Uh, if it's not consistent, you're like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, and it, it depends who it is. I mean, certainly... <laughs> You know, certainly those guys want it to be consistent, too. You know, I mean, again, if you want to create any sort of a following for your product, you know, if you're buying Hellman's mayonnaise or Duke's Duke's mayonnaise or whatever, you expect it to be the same all All the the time. time. Um, You know, if you're doing a little little Pinot Noir from the Central Coast that costs $15.99, yeah, would you like, would you may, the problem is, is you try it, you love it. And you go back the next year, and it's not. You know, and yeah, and it's it's not the same. And yeah. so that's a challenge. And they, you know, winemakers, um, certainly one of the goals for larger wineries in particular are to make it consistent. You know, and you're right, there are things they do. Uh, we can oak it up a little bit more. We can we can blend in 
a little more Merlot this year than we blended in last year, you know, right. to make it a little bit more, a little lighter, a little bit different than that and stuff. And so, well, uh, this is great, especially with the chill on it. Yeah. This you is, know, again, we're sitting here today. What's the temperature? 93. Yeah. It's supposed to be 95. And so for those of us in the wine biz who love wine, temperature's a challenge. You know I mean? So you can, you know, one of the things I emphasize with people is, is if you're driving around town and it's 90 degrees out, I don't care where you are, and you have wine in your car... If you're not careful, you're cooking it. You're, you know, you're pushing the right, corks out right. and doing all that. So right. what I did was earlier today on the way over, I stopped and got ice and I iced down the wines for today. You can always warm them up. You can't chill them up a lot right. of times, right. you know, and so, and that's what you got to do. You basically have to, temperature is madly important when it comes to serving wine. You know, most people serve whites too cold and reds too warm, so. This is, uh, what's the price point? Uh, I think it was about 25 you it, know. It's worth it. Yeah, definitely worth Very 25 good. bucks. I so, love it. Yeah. Name again? Brian David from Russian River. Well, that's it for this edition of Food Tips, the Basics and Beyond. Had fun with those food hacks this time around, so I'll look for some more of those. Thanks to my longtime radio pal and host of the morning show on 101.9 Kink FM, Mitch Elliott, worldwide, on apps, and wherever you get your radio or podcasts. Always great having Super Wine Guy Michael Gallant in the studio with that Brian David Pinot today. Man, that stuff was deep and delicious. And thanks to the lovely Patio Furniture for getting here just before the wine segment. Her timing is impeccable. If you're looking for a guy who can make your radio station commercials, promotions, sound better than everyone else's, Dave Parker is the man for you. Thanks, Dave. We love you, man. You got questions? We've got answers. Write to me, radiojackson at gmail.com. Until next time, I am J.J. Jackson, and this is Food Tips, the basics and beyond.